0: Listening to this, you are the resistance.
1: Come with me if you want to live.
0: Welcome to the now playing Terminator retrospective series.
1: What is your mission?
0: It is Judgment Day for the Terminator films as we hear it now playing, watch and review all four films in the Terminator franchise in anticipation of McG's new movie, Terminator Salvation, opening in theaters May 21st.
2: You can't do that. Wrong.
0: These conversations will be spoiler-filled critiques of the Terminator films, and as the films are R-rated, there may be some mild course language as well. Win or lose, this war ends. Today we are
1: discussing Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Nick Stahl, Claire Danes, Kristana Loken, <laughs> and directed by Jonathan Mostow.
3: I'm Arnie. I'm Marjorie. Stuart. Can I just laugh at the fact that Claire Danes is in this movie right off the bat?
2: Isn't she supposed to be like some hoity-toity actress?
3: <laughs> Her last movie I think was Little Women. Oh, that's a big departure from Little Women. How to Make an American Quilt.
2: You oh no, that I mean? was Winona Ryder. Well, no, she was in both. Oh, she was. Yep. Oh, I don't know my chick flicks. Yeah, she
3: is. She was like the Winona Ryder in Training Wheels. But she also had done Mod Squad. Oh, good point. Good point. I mean, she she's not exactly,
1: you know, who knows? It, it does seem strange. Nick Stahl seems almost equally strange to me. Mm, but we still have Arnold for this <laughs> one anyway. Arnold is back as another Terminator T-101 model sent back in time. Who's aged and lost muscle mass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's downright
3: <laughs> gaunt for Arnold in this
1: <laughs> one. He's got
2: some crow's feet on. On top of it all.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, st- don't, don't want to knock him man. He still looks great. He's, what, 50-something in this? God knows. Half his age, I'd never look like that. But not the same Arnold, but 20 years later.
1: And now, sent back in time, Kristana Loken as the
2: TX, or Terminatrix. Is that a better name for you? Do you like that one better, Arnie?
1: It's what they say in the movie.
2: But you seem to have a problem with the Terminator names thus far. TX?
1: Well, yeah, it is more a human name. I don't think computers would have gone to roman numerals but unless they were roman computers but i don't yeah right off the bat how can you top robert patrick as the t-1000 you can't you can't and so they
3: send a chick to wear leather to make us turned on i guess that seemed to be the way to go it's like since we know that we can't do anyone bigger than arnold because his ego won't allow it and we can't do a robert patrick thing again the only way to make it interesting is to to change the gender but which doesn't really make any sense because robots don't have gender.
1: And she even morphs into a guy at a point in the movie. Really? Yeah, well, she pretends to be the boyfriend of Claire Danes, mm-hmm. or the fiancé. Oh, of
3: course, of course, you're right, you're right. I, that
2: I The guy with a total dead performance, the only thing he did in the entire movie was act mm-hmm. like he was high on something.
3: He looked like Zach Braff stand-in.
2: <laughs> yeah, he kind of did.
3: But anyway, I, I digress. Yeah, it, it seemed to be a novelty. And you know what? I gotta say right off the bat, I didn't see this movie in theaters because I said expected a distinct bomb. I, it looked desperate oh, now it's a woman named a Terminatrix. I yeah, just, the Dominatrix Terminatrix thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it seems pandering. And then when I found out Cameron was not involved, I, I just, I suspected the worst and then did not catch up with the movie until it uh, was released on DVD.
1: Now, why was the Terminatrix sent back in time? She's there to kill John Connor's deputies. John Connor, now played by Nick Stahl. They just, you know, how, how many actors have played John Connor now? Because we had some guy in part Part one, who I think was supposed to be him. We had mm-hmm. two different people in part two: the guy with the binoculars at the beginning, and then Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong, and now you've got Nick Stahl. So we're up to four John Connors, and then there's and plus TV show,
3: and and uh, then Christian Bale, right? So they they can't keep a John. No, they they uh, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like uh, what became of the Batman series. They just keep uh, going through them.
1: Well, uh, may I just say though, Bale's the first time the casting feels right because you look at Edward Furlong and you're like, he's saved the future? You look at Nick Stahl, you're like, he saves the future?
3: (laughs) Yeah, maybe after he takes a shower.
1: (laughs) Well, Nick Stahl, as John Connor, he's living off the grid, so there's no way for the Terminatrix to find him. So she's there to kill all of his deputies, including Claire Danes, who plays Kate Brewster, John Connor's second in command, and his wife. (laughs)
3: And veterinarian. Yes. I had a problem with this characterization. I thought it was weird that she is the daughter of a high-level military secrets administrative person. And she is probably only a few years out of high school. And she's working in a downtrodden L.A. uh, veterinarian office.
2: Yeah, and she's kind of just a vet aide. She's not even the real veterinarian because when the lady brings in her cat, Hercules, she says, Oh, I'm sure Dr. So-and-so will come in if it's necessary.
3: Well, yeah, you got to go to school for a long time to be a vet. I mean, there's no way that she'd have those years notched in. But I guess it's supposed to be ironic. All the deputies of the future were working fast food stands Mm -hmm. or just kind of hanging out, drinking, making out. And they're not they're not heroic. You know, it's it's uh, they're just teenagers. They're just young kids. But apparently they're
1: not that big of a deal because she kills several of them. And, you know, well, I guess we don't know how that's going to impact the future. But right away, they say, though, the past can be changed because finally the Terminator succeeds in killing somebody who was in the future
3: important. I got a problem even more basic than this. How does Skynet exist to send anyone back anymore? It was changed forever. The end. Terminator 2 wrapped it up. But it wasn't because here we see the creation
1: of Skynet.
2: It was delayed is all that happened. The technology was eventually discovered is the way I took it.
1: It, Because it says here that- Now I'm not defending this movie, but-
2: (laughs) It's Judgment
1: Day was supposed to be in 1997. Yes. And it didn't happen. And they even say that Linda Hamilton's character, we're going to talk about her, but she died of leukemia, but she held on to stay till Judgment Day to see it not happen. But then Judgment Day is now July 24th, 2000. 2004. So Skynet did continue. In Terminator 2, they didn't stop
3: it. They merely put it on hold for seven years. Uh, yeah, I, d- I have a problem with that. That doesn't really make any sense.
2: So she was killing all the lieutenants, and John Connor was an added bonus, right? hmm mm-hmm. Why did she stop at, like, two of the lieutenants, or three of them? Well, because she found John Connor, and it briefly flashed primary target.
3: Yeah. yeah she finds that bloody rag in the vet office, sniffs it, and then it's like, she, like, literally almost has an organ there. She's like, ah, <laughs> I found the one. I'm like, this is not hot. I don't know if this was intended to be hot, but that is just a little, a little distasteful for me. But yeah, it was, it was weird because yeah, you see Terminators do have emotions there. She got excited. <laughs>
2: Well, and I have it down, if you notice, she smiled in this movie, and so mm-hmm. did Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And it was a smile, not a sneer or a smirk, and they're not supposed to have emotions or anything, and they have them.
3: Yeah, they do.
2: Yeah, Arnold Arnold's getting angry.
1: Uh-huh. All right, I got a lot of problems with this movie, just because I am a plot purist, and I feel like this kind of poops on the plot of the last two movies.
2: It does. It takes a big mm. old stinking dump on it, to be honest.
1: And in the last episode, I said that, you know, Terminator 2 ends with a happy ending. And I remember when Alien 3 came out, and Stuart, you probably would be able to speak to this better than me even, but didn't James Cameron come out and say he didn't like Alien 3 because David Fincher took his happy ending and turned it into,
3: like, Newt dies and everybody... Well, he wasn't the only one in that one. There there was a lot of gripings at the time about how disrespectful Fincher's grim take on the material was, but Cameron does not like that movie at all. He didn't like Alien 3 or Resurrection, but for some reason, did enjoy uh, alien versus predator which he I was paid yet. to like
1: that I'm sure
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but I, I think maybe he could just laugh at that one whereas the other ones felt like they were tarnishing his rep and what he had done with it but uh, yeah this definitely feels like new blood new people involved and old people not
1: well the thing is the reason I brought up alien is because here it feels like the same exact thing at the end of Terminator 2 we have a happy ending and J- James Cameron's big message here is there is no fate we control our destiny
3: mm-hmm.
1: humans are going to rise and in this movie it's like nah everything you did in Terminator 2 did nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just gonna say forget yeah. it we can't have a happy ending when there's box office grosses
3: to be had it's true Arnold his only defense of this is he's like oh no Skynet is inevitable everything <laughs> is inevitable I'm like wait no that is just dis- yeah that is you can't say that uh, it just does not work with the story that you had previously told.
1: Yeah, it just feels like that. And the other thing that really bothered me going into this movie, the lack of Sarah Connor. Mm -hmm. Linda Hamilton wouldn't come back. They wouldn't write her the checker. I guess Arnold made 30 million plus 20% of the gross for Mm. his role. So I guess they couldn't afford to buy Linda Hamilton. But Mm -hmm. to do it without Linda Hamilton, the strong female character, the thread that carried Terminator 1 and
3: 2 so closely to just go, yeah, she died of leukemia. How anticlimactic is that? (laughs) Yeah. Not to mention she died in 97. <laughs> and the the events of Terminator, depending on which timeline you listen to, it was either 94 or 96. Uh, so you're telling me, like, after having turned into She-Ra and being the super tough woman, like, she just drops like that, <laughs> like a stone? Not very believable.
2: This movie is what I was afraid that two would be. Because mm. this is what happens when people take older movies and decide to make a sequel. <clears throat> Phantom Menace.
3: It's. I think the word is greed. greed they yeah. made a sequel because they knew it would make money, not because there was more story to tell.
2: Now, I'm not a
3: huge fan
1: of King of the World James Cameron, really. He's made some good stuff, but I don't worship at his altar, especially post-Titanic. But the director of this is truly just a director for hire. He'd done U-571 before this and Breakdown in 97, which, wasn't that a cur- Russell film, I believe it,
3: it was. was a Kurt Russell B movie. Yes, it's a mean, Highway Killer movie, I believe. Yeah, I, I actually saw that in theaters. Strangely, but
1: mm-hmm. and, I mean, he's just a nobody. You've got you take such an important series to our generation as Terminator Two, and you put it in the hands of hacks. Yeah, and before what, they restored it and gave it to G <laughs> and put it in the hands <laughs> of hacks. <laughs> Let me say though, Mick G is at least a bit more proven than Jonathan Mostow
3: oh uh, you know what oddly enough arnie i remember reading a lot in the critical sphere of feeling like people did think he was going to amount to something if you go back and read the reviews of breakdown and U 571 they were very positive and people thought he could be the next big thing i don't get it i didn't see those movies i saw U 571 and i will admit i liked it more than i thought i would but Mm -hmm.
1: you know the problem is this movie lacked vision it seemed Mm. very small after terminator two to come to this
2: it's what you expect from a movie that was not set up for a sequel yes. is that where they totally piss all over the plot and say oh by the way what we said in the last movie we were wrong yeah and
1: the only important person to them was arnold yeah they didn't care about linda hamilton they didn't care about james cameron they didn't care about the psychiatrist <laughs> well yeah he was the common thread but it just really felt to me like this movie just it doesn't fit with the other ones and now no. um, that's not to say that i don't enjoy this movie on some level i don't hate this movie But I just don't feel it fits with the other ones. And I just had to get that out of the way off the bat.
3: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And as I said, I avoided this one. I actually thought it would be worse. When I saw it on DVD, I was actually relieved only by Arnold's low standards at that point. Because (laughs) Arnold did not do well after Terminator 2 either. I mean, other than True Lies, another uh, Cameron film, it was Last Action Hero, Eraser, Batman and Robin, Junior, End of Days. I mean... Jingle all the way. There was a a steep decline there. I mean, Batman and Robin is about as bad as it gets, really. I mean, end of days, I saw it just, just tears running down my eyes laughing. It was so bad. So to see this and to see that there was at least an attempt to emulate Cameron's work if not have a vision for where it can go beyond what it had done uh, was a relief. But it felt to
1: me as if somebody took the shrink ray to Terminator again because I said in the second one it felt like a retread of the first one for the first hour but then it became so big. Now here (laughs) in the third one yawn. It's just the two Terminators chasing again. And
2: what killed it to be honest was it was not original but I had a big problem seeing the first time this movie the 30 minute long destruction sequence with the crane. That seemed like it was the entire movie where they're just she's in that crane and it's swung out to the side and they're tearing down a block i told arnie when we first saw it is like they had a dilemma they had to destroy part of a studio lot and film terminator 3 <laughs> why don't we just combine them
3: That's what... fun stone. <laughs> exactly. i like it but you know what i will say this marjorie that is an impressive action scene i did it like is. the scene it does it looked a little cheap to me because anytime
1: the crane hit something it was such a close-up shot but yet you could see not <laughs> thing around it, but then when yeah. like, they're running down the street, it's quite obviously a real street But after
2: a while, you kind of get bored during that scene. It, it goes on too long. This yeah. movie
1: has no ambition, is yeah. what I think mm-hmm. is the problem.
3: It's not that it goes on too long. There's long, long scenes in Terminator 2, but there is a thrust. Yes. We want to get to the end. History can be changed. Something is going to happen. And this one, it's it, it it definitely feels like been there, done that, and now it's got a boob job. Like, that is, <laughs> that is as big as they thought about changing. It.
2: Well she can make her boobs bigger. This
3: time terminator tits. You
1: yeah, know, that's
2: <laughs> she used Now it- I, I
1: have to say again, why did she need to steal that old woman's leather jacket? Because <laughs> she can make clothes. She turns into the slubby <laughs> guy yeah. and then she turns back into the
3: leather jacket. Why did she have to steal the clothes?
2: Because okay. she's way hotter in the bootcut leather pants. <laughs>
3: And at least if you're going to do the whole naked arriving thing, show the boobs because they have her appearing in this ridiculously long hairdo. Like the wig is strategically placed over each breast. Like the Aladis Morissette video.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really wanted boobs.
3: And then the rest of the movie, she's got the Gwyneth Paltrow little uh, haircut thing. It's like it's short and plastered to her head and none of that. I'm like, I don't get it.
2: Well, it's actually tied up and back if you notice next time if you ever watch it again. it's actually put up in like a little bun kind of knot thing but hey, there are hair products in the future because the terminator <laughs> knows how to style I,
1: I personally think Skynet took way too long to get around to realizing the way to kill a man is through his penis
2: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess i don't i don't see why she had to be a seductress there's no reason why it had to be a female this time and not the first time for that matter you well know, because
1: they'd run out of ideas they needed to make it new.
3: Yes. It's because we need to, to, to create a new flavor in order to intrigue people. It's artificial this,
2: adrenaline for the movie.
3: Mm-hmm. I do want to say this the movie was released in 2003 which is also the year that uh, the Gray Davis scandal here in California broke and Arnold ended up running and winning as governor I can't think of a more poorly timed PR move than to be running for governor under the scandals of how you might have treated women in the past and having a movie running in every city in America of you beating up a chick.
2: That's right, I forgot that he was accused of molesting a woman at the gym.
1: Well, well what I read in reading this movie is that this movie was in many ways his play for governor. You said, why not show the Terminatrix boobs? Part of the toned down nature of this was a kinder, gentler governor. And what's funny is when I was watching it this time and I didn't see the boobs and like she takes the saw to the fiance, but it's off screen and you just see the blood splatter. I'm like, Mm. is this movie PG-13? Because I didn't understand why they'd pull their punches like that. And also Arnold put up 6 million of his own salary to make this movie and make it in L.A. It was going to be shot in Vancouver, and part of the whole keep the business in L.A. Help him run for governor. So mm. the governor run was very planned when this movie was being made. Uh, perhaps he didn't expect the scandal news to get out,
3: mm-hmm. and so he that,
1: could beat up the woman.
3: I think you might be right. There is that he thought that was long ancient history. It, the stories that I'm referring to are from the 70s. Yes, it. You know, that's the thing. You run for office, and everything is fair game. And people will go back through everything. This and, is why uh, I'm never
1: running for office.
3: <laughs> I just, I, th- it's not the time to release the "Me Against the Women" movie. But oh. back to the Terminatrix. The other problem I had with her
1: is, again, I said at the beginning, how can you beat Robert Patrick? So how do you beat the liquid Terminator? It's liquid over an exoskeleton. So we're gonna take the first two movies and just put them together like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Mm-hmm. And I don't see how liquid over that skeleton is worse because now she can't melt through bars she can't melt through holes yeah she's got a gun and a flamethrower but I don't know if that's really a good trade-off because she used hand weapons why would she need hand
3: weapons if her arms a gun well the one thing that I noticed that's an improvement is Arnold says in part two that Robert Patrick can't form moving parts chemical parts he can't turn into a gun he can't turn into a bomb and this one her hand can become a flamethrower so obviously that some of that can be done I, I Was that her endoskeleton or was that? Yeah, that her was her metal? endoskeleton. Oh, okay. So that wasn't like they had fixed the liquid metal. No, she was liquid metal over
1: an endoskeleton. So she couldn't become a floor. She couldn't melt through bars.
3: Yeah, I'm reminded of the Saturday Night Live skit. It's a floor wax and a dessert topping. Like, you, you don't need these things to be. The, it's like one or the other. We don't want both.
1: <laughs> that was kind of my problem is it just seems like almost a downgrade. Although, obviously, yeah. the licking of the blood to do the DNA test, was that supposed to be sexy? Because it just came off weird.
3: <laughs> I think everything <laughs> she did was supposed to be sexy, but sometimes it just was laughable. I got to say, uh, right off the bat, when she gets in the car and she uses the cell phone, and then she does, like, the internet dial-up noise. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. The cell phone. I was very The confused. modem connecting. Yeah, she
2: does the modem. Yes.
3: <laughs> Not cute. And, I mean... Would you use a cell phone for dial-up anyway?
1: I yeah, mean, you do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay, all right.
2: And actually, you you can, not to be too geeky, but you can actually use it back in the day to tether your laptop. And you're calling me the D. Internet.
3: <laughs> well, no, I appreciate some geekdom at this point, because I'm like, I don't think that that's true, Yeah, what she's you can doing. do it. Absolutely. Okay, all right. But you can't do it like she did, where you're just, well, she's a robot,
1: so who knows what she could do. <laughs> but why didn't she just drill her finger into the cell phone? She could drill her finger into any machine to make it work. She could drill into the steering columns of cars and now have remote control cars. She could drill into Arnold's head and have remote control Arnold. Why not drill into the cell phone? Why does she have to make the sounds with her mouth? Because uh, you have it's... to
2: make the sounds and it was could recognizable she... then?
1: Well, yeah. Yes. You know There's a whole y'all...
2: generation of kids now are like, what's she doing? Okay, yeah,
1: there's two th- <laughs> There's two things in this movie. The first being the modem handshake, which we all know from 1994 through you know 2000. But nowadays, people are going to be like, is she a fax?" machine. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing though, let, let's this movie is so dated. D- is it just me or did Talk to the Hand not hold up
2: nearly <gasps> as well as they had thought it would.
3: <laughs> it's no hasta La Vista baby. I'll tell no, you that.
2: Talk to the Hand was out in Austin Powers. I mean, for Christ's sake. It
3: makes... was never in. No. You know, it should be said it was always the uh the the expression for a certain kind of diva ish person that or was always Jerry comical. Springer. Yeah, exactly. Not everyone you know, people didn't greet each other on the street with that expression. Yeah, it was of its time, and unfortunately it was that time that this movie was made, because they never would have dared to do it now. And it's introduced, unfortunately, you know, we mentioned the the biker scene being one of the weaker comedic elements in uh, Terminator 2. Well, they do it again in this one with a gender change. He walks into a biker bar, but it's ladies night, and the uh, men are up there stripping, and they love the fact that Arnold is naked. And the uh, stripper is actually an effeminate guy who's like, talk to the hand.
1: Yeah. And then Arnold does. He actually yeah. puts the hand up to his mouth. Give me your clothes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I thought this movie was entirely too jokey from from the get go. Yeah.
1: The what about the strippers sunglasses that were the stars? Yeah.
2: yeah. And then he Like Elton on
3: John seventies yeah. glasses and Arnold puts it on. It felt like a parody of Terminator Two. It did, and it, it you know it, it doesn't stay quite that jokey, thank God. Oh, but yeah. when I saw that scene, I remember thinking, oh God, this is going to be dreadful.
2: I thought it would matter if throughout the entire movie he wore the star glasses because Terminators don't have fashion sense?
3: No. It, yes. It opens up a problem.
1: Yes, he does. How does
2: he know? They're just glasses?
1: All the Terminators are like, I like your car. I like your bike. I like mm-hmm. your gun. No, they say. definitely have a no, sense no, of style. No, it,
2: but yeah, I understand, but I don't think they have a fashion sense. So therefore, how did he know those glasses were incredibly just wrong?
3: Yeah. He, he knew.
2: He's not Bootsy Collins.
3: Well, you know, he ends up trading them for some very matrixy looking shades and I thought that was telling too because this movie is coming Three or uh, three years, four years, four years after years. The Matrix, and I think the same year that Reloaded and Revolutions came out, and you can sense them trying to keep up with that. I did. I felt anyway. I felt the whole Skynet being part of the internet, which is what we learn, and that there's no center to it, uh, really felt kind of like The Matrix to me.
1: Well, in a way, you could say The Matrix, which ripped off so many things to put in yes. the pop culture blender, ripped <laughs> off Terminator because the machines were using men as slaves they took it up a level and made us, you know, pod people. Mm-hmm. But in many ways, the Matrix conceit is straight out of Terminator 1. So Absolutely. who's ripping off who at this point?
3: Right. Well, I didn't say ripping off I, or rather, I mean to only imply that they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. This is a way of the Terminator Or the trying, Wachowskis. Yes. The Wachowskis. <laughs> as um, they definitely could feel the heat that if they were to come back that they're going to be compared against this
2: movie. Now, going back to the first movie when we talked on the first podcast about Terminator 1 played into the greatest fears of 1984, nuclear war, computers, and somewhat Russians. This one placed probably the biggest fears of 2003 with computer viruses. People Mm -hmm. are freaking out over the computer virus. If they'd all gone Mac, Skynet wouldn't have happened. Exactly. (laughs)
1: Hi, I'm a Mac and I'm Skynet.
3: And it was coming a little bit after uh, Y2K. (laughs) I mean, you guys do remember that was this whole fear. Hey, I made a lot of money at Y2K. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know whether you wanted to go on record to talk about that, Arnie. I do remember. But, uh, yeah, there was this really exploited fear that at the turn of the millennium, all of our computers, everything was going to stop working. Planes would fall out of the sky. Everything that happens in this movie is sort of a uh, representation of what uh, people feared Y2K could be. Y2K bought me a life-sized Han Solo in Carbonite. (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
1: Yeah, it was it was, it does play on those fears, but I gotta say it's just not as effective. Computer viruses just simply aren't as scary as nuclear holocaust.
2: Perhaps in two thousand three they were. I don't because think so. now I I'm was... just like, oh, yeah, just use A B G and you <laughs> won't get it. It'll be okay. <laughs>
1: I don't know. Overall, it just, this whole movie felt like Terminator light.
2: It did. It didn't, not that it didn't have enough Terminator, it just, it lacked enough of the backstory, I guess, to make it a Terminator movie. There's not enough real Skynet drama. My other
3: problem with this movie, well, I have quite a few, but I thought Arnold did a poor job.
1: He
2: phoned I, it in. Hey, he
3: did. He didn't want to be there. I mean, or I, if he wanted to be there, he didn't have enough moments where we see him connecting with the audience. Like Terminator 2, even though he's playing this emotional. Emotionless robot, there are a lot of scenes where he is winking at the camera or... Con- Connecting with the audience and we're cheering him on. In this one, he is a blank. He's a blank. Yeah, he's not likable. And he's very quickly saying, I'm not the same Terminator. I'm
1: fine with that. But mm-hmm. there's nothing to make this character someone you root for. He's he's a jackass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's, he he just, the whole thing didn't work for me. Something seemed off. And there was no humor in this movie other than talk to the hand.
3: This movie was very without laughs. no. There's lots of humor. It's just not funny, Arnie. There's tons of humor in here. There's lots of jokes. They're just very bad.
2: Okay, one of the biggest jokes was I thought was hilarious, and maybe it's because I'm a girl, and I don't know if Arnie can understand this, but when Claire Danes is talking to Nick Stahl about Mike Kripke's, Kripke's basement and how they almost made out, and the first thing that popped in my head was, she makes out with losers in basements. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad you brought that up, Marjorie.
2: Because that's all I could think of was like, wow, this girl used to make out with losers in the basement. 'Cause she talked about him being a loser and disappearing from everything and she made she was gonna make out with him in the basement, which, you know Total junior high, but that his
1: foster parents were killed.
2: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. We're expected to believe that the day before the Terminator Two, Claire Danes and him are macking it up (laughs) in some basement, and that she is holding on to that for all of this time afterwards. I don't think
2: she was holding
3: on to it. She just remembered.
2: No, he remembered it. No, she remembered him from Mike Kripke's basement.
1: But she said in the movie, the only reason she remembered Uh is because the very next day he was on the news because he gone true. missing and his parents were killed.
2: So that goes back to her dad. Her dad must think, God, what the hell did I get to get this daughter? <laughs> well, actually, when we were watching making out watching the movie, with would-be killers. you asked me
1: where parents like this were when the father's giving the speech. You don't need me to put a rubber stamp on your husband. You have always done well in your life. Where are <laughs> these parents?
2: A- except when she's making out with the would-be killer in Mike Kripke's basement. Uh, sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and what's funny is she was going to marry Scott Peterson. Yeah. He's
2: dubbed the line <laughs>
1: to change the the guy's last name, but in the credits <laughs> and in the script, her husband's name was Scott Peterson. <laughs> Perhaps I, I didn't like notice you
3: that. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, they, they changed yeah, not, it. He's not like Scott Mohan, but... <laughs> and let's let's put a final point on this her dad is a military man he's got weight he could have armed guards around her all the time he is high level high up why she's not in private school in you know europe i don't understand that she's going to public school and making out with kids after school in the basement come on this is not realistic
2: and these are, are not the great kids that if she was making out with a kid in somebody's basement this is not the guy she should be making out with <laughs> oh
1: he was the bad boy though with he the wasn't the bad boy no, hair and there's the- a
2: Difference between you got your public good, enemy shirt, you got your good kids, you got your bad slash good kids, and then you got the bad kids. And he yeah. was down there with the bad kids. Well, in yeah. this
1: movie, he was a little dirt.
3: Yeah, th- I just felt like Nick Stahl is is a strange lead because he's not good looking. And he's just kind of awkward and, and dirty. You
1: he know what I mean? He
2: a little. He's got a always, weird delivery. I always think that everything he delivers, every line and every emotion, he always looks surprised. No matter what it is, the look on his face is utter awe. And I'm like, i you just surprised you're in this movie. Keanu School of Acting. Oh, that's it. Okay. He, he
1: went to Keanu's workshop.
2: Yeah, because everything, he always looks shocked. Or has mm-hmm. his mouth hanging open. He's, he must be a mouth breather because his mouth is always open. What
1: I thought was funny was the <laughs> Maybe opening. Maybe she's ready
3: to make out with <laughs> you in the basement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was funny was in the opening scene where we see him, you know, as future John Connor with the scars on his face. It looked like a little kid playing dress up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It just he did not look tough. He, looked he looks kind of kinda place. tiny. Yeah. He's, yeah, he does he's look not tiny. imposing. If no. I saw him coming at me, I'd be like, really?
3: Yeah. We've never seen John Connor, the leader. And yeah, he's not changing my mind on
1: this. What's really awkward was when he's trying to reconnect with the Terminator. Don't you remember? Hasta la vista, baby. And I'm like, don't, don't. Just yeah. don't go. Are you, are you talking to Arnold? Are you talking to the audience? <laughs> yes. Yes.
2: But I have a question. Why was he living off the grid if they were confident they destroyed Skynet?
1: Well. The same reason that Sarah Khanna's coffin was full of weapons. They
3: just weren't sure. Yeah, that didn't make any sense either.
2: Because it, it, they knew they knew what the
3: gross was, and they knew there would be another one, and somehow, someway, <laughs> they'd figure out how to bring it back. Wouldn't it have been, honestly, a more interesting movie if they just had believed it wasn't going to happen? And sure,
1: yeah. maybe Sarah Connor did die of leukemia in the 10 years in between, but John Connor's, like, married with a kid or something, and then the Terminator comes back and kills them. You know, something to add
3: something personal to this story, because this whole story felt very impersonal. I would go back, and I said this in the last podcast, and start... Not not with John Connor, but start with the severed robotic arm. How about we start in a laboratory and Arnold Schwarzenegger is a scientist studying the arm. And then we see the creation of the robots. Screw following John Connor. he He's not the thrust of this story and never has been. He was always just the thing people were chasing after. So you're looking forward to salvation, I take it. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We'll talk about that next podcast. But for me, it really always was... About well, in some ways sarah connor and 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 the chase, it's not about John Connor himself you know it it just he's not the interesting thing, so for this movie to be all about him uh it, 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 it was a problem from the get go for me. I thought it would be more interesting to see and to have a reason for why the Terminator future, although delayed, still occurred. I think that would have been a more interesting take on it yeah. I also think. And they play with it just barely, but not nearly enough for me. It would have been really fascinating and interesting to see Arnold turn back to a bad guy again. Like I get that they send another Terminator back. Why would they get the same model and turn him good why can't we see Arnold be badass again? Why can't we see him be a threat again? To me, that would have been impressive. Particularly when the the Terminatrix reprograms him and he has to do her will and he is going to kill John Connor. Why not just go with that for the rest of the movie because he was going to be be governor (laughs) <laughs> all right, all right. Yes, you're applying the exterior logic of the world to this. But I, I'm talking strictly from storycraft. How much more exciting and unexpected would that be to see Arnold, bad guy again?
2: I'll tell you the reason why, and it doesn't have to do with the governor or anything. My feeling on this movie was that it was a kind of final hurrah and swan song for Arnold because he's getting a little bit older, and this was post-heart attack and post- post-eraser
1: yeah. and post-Batman and Robin. And, yes. you know,
2: maybe he was trying to bow out gracefully with one last hurrah raw from his biggest series and And this was what it was
1: perhaps the governorship caused this
3: movie to be rushed because it just it does feel so perfunctory
2: Mm mm-hmm I guess what I'm saying
3: is if we had gone my route, and, uh, you know, of course, I want screenwriting credit for this, <laughs> but if you had c- had Arnold, the human scientist, creating a look-alike of himself as the Terminator, and that was the bad guy, he could also still play the scientist good guy.
2: I would watch your movie.
3: There is
1: a scene in the deleted scenes on the DVD, I haven't watched it, but I read about it, where they're building, like, an Arnold robot, and he talks with a southern accent. Oh, my gosh. And they go... They need to change that, and an off-screen Austrian scientist goes, I can fix that. (laughs)
3: <laughs> so that's pretty good. I, a few of the jokes I did like, I will say, one one joke I legitimately laughed at is when Claire Danes and uh, Nick Stahl are running down the hallway and uh, a prototype of, uh, of the flying, killing de- death machines is chasing after them. And Claire Danes picks up the gun and blows it away. And he turns to her and goes, you remind me of my mother.
2: <laughs> it's pretty good.
1: Th- that is true. But in a way, despite having a terminatrix, I really felt like this movie lacked the strong female characters that. Stewart applauded in the past two films.
2: It did yeah. because Claire Danes never really... She doesn't do transform. anything other than that
1: one gun scene. Yeah.
2: And it she was predictable. half the
1: movie in the back of a truck screaming for help.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but that gun scene was predictable. I thought... First time I saw it... Oh, it was predictable,
3: yeah. but I like, the, I like the one-liner is all I'm saying. Yeah.
2: And I don't think she made a very good transformation. And I think she was a very weak character. And she played the typical helpless female or the whiny, you know. Well, I mean,
3: we can't rule out the fact that she her character at least could return and be tough again much like Linda Hamilton was sort of weak in the first movie and, and strong in the second but I just feel like Claire Danes herself I mean I feel like if we sat down with Claire for coffee she'd confess that she was miscast and just took this <laughs> for a big check you're like oh yeah I have no business being in this movie there's a scene where she literally leaps on Arnold Schwarzenegger and tries to attack him I'm just like okay we should have known from just this that like okay you're fired you're gonna go home now we'll give you some money
1: she was actually a last minute replacement for another actress. Is she really? Yeah.
3: That's what it feels like. That's yeah. perfect.
1: Yeah, she she came in like on the first day of shooting was her first day involved. Holy shoot. Well, that <laughs> explains a lot. All right. Uh, um, And her character does come back in the next one.
2: Okay. Is it Claire Danes? No. Oh, thank God.
3: <laughs> Is it the original choice for who Claire
2: Danes replaced?
3: <laughs> no, I don't think that
2: either. No, did you guys notice that this movie began kind of in the same vehicle that the last one ended in? And the Terminator 2 Ended. They were driving and being chased while they're in a small truck with like a camper topper, and that's how they ended up. When I don't know what, I guess that metal melting factory where they ended up. And in this one, her little vet vehicle is a truck with a topper. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. and, and they're act- both
1: being chased by like semis or yeah. Planes. So it mm-hmm. kind
2: of carried over that way, maybe to breed familiarity. And Toyota actually put out a special limited edition Terminator Three Toyota Tundra because of that, because she drove a Tundra. But huh. it was kind of it was very Seinfeld. And I thought
1: <laughs> it ends as it begins. Yes. Um, here's something I'm going to put out there. Just to, because we're always talking about the paradoxes and who caused what and everything. Yeah. Did the Arnold Terminator cause Judgment Day by sending them to the bunker in the Mojave Desert instead of letting them try to stop Skynet?
2: It wasn't. It was her dad that sent them. Her dad. But it was all
1: it was her. Her dad may have mentioned the place and gave him the codes. But then Arnold was like giving them the directions and the whole movie was was Arnold was there just to help them survive
3: mm-hmm. this. It's inevitable. Mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was enabling it.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, in Terminator 2, he was there just for the same reason, but then John and Sarah say, no, we're gonna stop this, and Arnold follows orders and gets on board. Here, despite the fact he's supposed to follow Claire Dane's orders, I guess she never articulated well enough. I am ordering you to stop
3: Armageddon.
1: <laughs> because they never he never even tries. <laughs>
3: No, it's, it's kind of back to where the original one was. And that is everything's predetermined. Everything is decided by fate. There's nothing you can do. And every time you think. You're going to change your destiny. You're just falling into the plot of what is to be. And uh, it's cynical in that respect, uh, coming after the humanism of, of part two to think, oh, all of that work and everything they're going to do. And really nothing can be changed ever. And robot future is inevitable. And Arnold coming back 20 times is inevitable. And
2: so was it a statement and they're kind of mad that Linda Hamilton wouldn't come back and totally pissed on what her character.
1: No, I'm sure that the script was written or, fairly written before the contract negotiations fell through there. They might mm. have
2: had a loose script, because I imagine if you had a part for Sarah Connor, and then all of a sudden you don't, they had to do some major reworkings there.
3: I can't imagine what this movie would be with Sarah Connor. I mean, I'm sure it might it would have been, been good. Yeah, well, it would have been better, for yeah. sure. Yeah. This but, is, uh,
2: yeah, it just felt like going through the motions, and felt like set up for a whole nother movie, possibly, which, I don't know if that's what we're getting on Salvation, because mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Salvation, and I'm trying to keep it that way to not soil when I see it.
1: Well, that's the thing about this movie is it the one thing it is, is a bridge from 2 to 4. You can't just skip 3, because in 4, Judgment Day has happened, and the machines are, the war has begun. And mm-hmm. so, if at the end of 2, you're like, Halati da we saved the world, and then in 4, you're like, holy shit,
3: what happened <laughs> in between? <laughs> and I do want to give them some props for going through with it, because it's not every major motion picture that ends with a, a cynical feeling of like, wow, we failed, and then the world blows up. I mean, that's it's it kind true. of amazing that that it happened that way
1: that is very true I hadn't thought about that I, I think both times I've watched this movie I watched it once in theaters and once for this podcast by that point I'm just kind of bored and I don't get an impact because after all the fighting with the Terminatrix just fight after fight the fights just didn't feel as inventive as they you did you know
2: why because her features aren't as inventive as a liquid silver mm-hmm. how can you top that I mean the yeah. Robert Patrick Terminator is wonderful and it's so amazing and all she gets is like a little transformer arm that can shoot and shoot flame. I guess I had no one in this movie to connect with though. Mm-mm.
1: In Terminator 2, you know, you, there, there's a lot of likable characters, mostly Arnold but also to a point Verlong and Connor, Sarah Connor. In this movie, you don't really like Claire Danes, you don't really like Nick Stull, And As we said, Arnold comes off very unlikable in this too. He's just a jerk. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, the fights don't mean
3: anything at this point. I, th- I think that's the absence of Cameron we're feeling cameron is a very emotional guy like if you look at all of his movies titanic i know arnie you mentioned you don't like it but that is from the heart that movie you know like he he puts it out there these are big feelings and he tries to get you to care about it and in this one it's very much business as usual standard action oh arnold will say something funny here and we'll get on with another car chase uh, Cameron would never go out that way. He would never have allowed uh, a, a work of his movies to come out that was just about the action. It is always about the struggle, the emotion. It, it's It's gone from this, and it's palpable. I mean you you feel that uh, the spirit has left the work. What's funny is by casting
1: Stahl and Danes, a couple of actual actors. I mean, I know Marjorie, you said you don't like Nick Stahl. I think you know he does some pretty good work in the right role, and he's kind of a chameleon. Sometimes Name one. You
2: know, I liked him in Carnival. You were the only person who liked Carnival.
1: Well, admittedly, there were only six of us at the Save Carnival rally.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was pathetic. I don't think Nick Stahl's a good actor. But, I think he's kind of one note. But my point is,
1: by getting these actors in there, you almost think that their thought process is, let's bring in people who can carry a character, not people who can do the action scenes. And, but then they don't utilize them in any way. They're just Claire Danes, who is a pretty good actor, is
3: stuck in the back of a truck yeah no I agree it's it's weird casting. It's a couple things. I don't sense that the actors themselves have connected to the material and then consequently I don't see their characters connecting with the audience. It's like nobody's heart is into this thing. Nobody. Everyone knows this is just a vehicle to make more money. There's a very kind of cynical quality to all of it. And even though it's competent, I, I want to stress that I think this movie is infinitely watchable and not stupid. It's got no heart. It's got none of the character that I think about when I think about the last two movies particularly Terminator 2
2: it also doesn't stir up any you don't ever have that pit in your stomach thinking oh my god they're not going to make it right you, you just, even, even when they're not going
3: to make it yeah kind of like oh alright yeah you that just, sucks there's
2: nothing <laughs> there's absolutely nothing there to make you root for any of the characters or care about them or to stir up any kind of feelings or emotions I mean movies should be some kind of emotion in you Some you should watch something and feel something Otherwise, you're just mindless. And that's how I felt watching it. Like, okay, yeah, something blew up. And I really think that they had a good opportunity to make a really cool action scene in that cemetery. And it was just kind of blah.
3: Well, the scene of Arnold carrying the coffin. Arnold holding a casket to me says, yeah, this is the end. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It doesn't say this is the series. There
2: was a lot of imagery. I thought that was a little bit of the swan song. And that was why I thought it was kind of his last hurrah. That and the Terminator Eye going out. Those were the mm-hmm. two things that I saw as big images of my turn as an action star is done.
1: But I think a lot of these problems are the bar was set so high by the last one and the mm-hmm. one before it and they cast such a long shadow that this movie is, like Stuart said, competent and in fact, to a degree, enjoyable. It just does not measure up to what Terminator as crafted by James Cameron is. Correct. It, it, it's almost a totally different series and it feels totally different. It doesn't have any of the ambition of either of the last two. And the fact Fact that it deals with such a huge issue as three billion people die today and it just does it in such a, a lackadaisical manner. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't carry the weight and it doesn't feel important but that said I actually enjoyed watching it this time better than the first time. The first time I was too much of a purist and went this is going against everything Terminator was. This time I kind of turned off that switch and just watched the movie and yet yeah, you know what the action scenes go on a little bit too long the dialogue's a little bit flat the characters you can't can't totally connect with, but it's better than 90% of the action dreck that's out there.
3: It's not, not a Terminator film. It's just not a worthy follow-up uh, is, is how I feel about it. They do drop something that I did I want to say we've we've harshed a, a lot about how I don't care, I don't, I don't care. But I actually thought one of the things that was dropped into this that I thought was interesting about the characters was that Arnold says, in the future, I'm going to kill you to yeah. uh, John Connor. I think that's really interesting. I wonder if they're going to carry that over in Salvation. Well, if what you said
1: previously was true, they're already planning sequels to Salvation, then no.
3: But... Well, I I guess I know stuff about the plot of Salvation that I don't feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, because I don't know any. But okay. the right. one thing that I felt about that is
1: twofold. I had that in my notes as well. It's just dropped. I kill you on this day and date in July 4th, 2032. Yeah. Independence Day.
2: Well, you know what the problem was? In the first movie, you had the re-Sarah Connor relationship. Mm-hmm. In the second movie, you had the three of I them. Mean, there was a threesome and they had a relationship. It-
1: wow, that's a different movie than I saw.
2: Yeah. Well, in this <laughs> one... he. He did not have a relationship with anybody. No one had a relationship with anyone in that movie. John Connor and Kate Brewster were still fighting like cats and dogs Although, pretty much until the end. And I love
1: the scene where Kate finds out she marries Dick stall and has this look on her face like you?
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just no one developed a relationship in this movie, and that's part of its flatness. There was no connection between any of the characters. So as an audience, why should you get connected to any of the characters if no one else did? Mm-mm. But
1: but to the death of John, it's just dropped and it's never mentioned again it's like and because this movie statement is there is fate and you can't change it he now has his death date i mean i don't know about him i if i were me on july 4th 2032 i'd be holed up with armed guards all around me at all directions shooting at anybody who looks like arnold but
3: unless he just accepts that's his fate i mean we'll, we, we might see as he gets older him being uh not trying to change destiny so much but being a resigned old man who is fine with what he accomplished and i mean it's like i said I'm really curious to know how much Terminator 4 is going to honor some of these things that were implied.
1: The one thing that I felt was a hedge, though, is if they could delay Judgment Day by seven years, maybe they can delay his death. I mean, obviously, he's going to die. We all die. But maybe it's not going to be on that date because he knows. You know, it, it's, it goes back to the whole paradox thing. But I found it interesting that, yeah, he's the one who kills John Connor, and he's the one they choose to send back now to protect him. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, when... The the terminator sacrificing himself he says we will meet again yet yeah, when you kill me exactly <laughs> yeah that's not a good greeting no <laughs> <laughs> I, and shouldn't he have said i'll be back i mean
2: really? well he is a little bit more educated now maybe
1: i read something funny on imdb apparently the terminator's definition of being back is crashing through a building with a vehicle because in terminator one he says i'll be back and crashes the car into the police station terminator two he says i'll be back crashes the truck into the building and in terminator Three crashes a helicopter into a building, gets out and says, I'm back. (laughs) So I thought that was kind of amusing.
3: Only the insurance companies are happy about your return.
1: (laughs) Did you guys enjoy seeing the creation of the Terminator series? We got to see the T1s and they looked a little like WALL-E.
3: Yeah, I always like, you know, I like Genesis stories. And I like when we get to go back and see how things start. And it was kind of satisfying having seen just glimpses of the future and what these uh, future machines look like to finally see uh, where they're coming from. is always satisfying. I enjoyed that. I'm not sure I enjoyed the actual battle in the <laughs> military base. I did like the idea that we were seeing the war machines in their infancy.
2: But did you find it odd that the three of them could just walk into that top secure uh, military base odd. with yes. guns and <clears throat> they got in? Like, oh, my dad works there. Okay. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it was it was falling apart at that point as a story. Uh, I mean, the whole thing, yeah. And then him getting gunned down and it was just, yeah. There's something yeah. I
1: didn't understand in this movie. And if I missed it, maybe one of you can explain it to me. It's said that the Terminatrix is an anti-Terminator Terminator. She's there to fight Terminators. Why does Skynet need that? Are they reprogramming Terminators by the buttload?
2: Maybe they have figured out that the Terminators can be manipulated by the humans.
1: I mean, it just seemed like a stretch that perhaps Skynet re- rather than building an anti-Terminator Terminator, terminator, should put better security on the Terminators they have. It just seems useless to have an anti-Terminator Terminator in a war of machines versus humans.
3: Maybe it's a way of creating gender in uh, in a culture that doesn't have gender. You know, that's that's why she's female because she isn't the masculine Terminator. I don't know. <laughs> the gender politics are weird to me. I, I I don't know why she needed to be a female. I don't know. Uh, there's this whole thing about she's making Arnold obsolete. And then, did you guys find the way that he takes care of her a little bit uh, risque? He shoves his power into her mouth. Yes.
2: There is a lot of imagery in that. If you wanted yeah. to really delve into that because yes
3: it felt very much like you're not gonna put me out to pasture bitch yeah and, uh, again if I were running for governor not the commercial I'd run.
2: Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot to be said for, you know, the perceived, she's supposed to be the sexy Terminator and he's taking something from his body and shoving it in her mouth. Let yes. me just say, no. though,
1: if the T-101 has this dual core explosive power, Sarah Connor's really lucky in 84 that when it was crushed, it didn't go boom. Yes.
2: but this yeah, That movie, was a convenient plot device. I didn't like that. This movie had
1: gratuitous explosions. At the very beginning, Arnold is driving some vehicle and he hits the Terminator. And drives her into the wall of the vet And something next to them blows up
2: Well, it was right next to some sort of gas factory <laughs> I mean, this movie When the crane
1: is driving down Cars aren't just flipped Cars blow up I mean, this movie had just gratuitous explosions It was it was pornography for explosions Yeah
2: It was There was a lot of destruction in this movie And it was probably I bet it's the most destructive Terminator movie ever Because everything that was on screen at some point I think was either crashed, blown up, I'm I'm surprised the coffin didn't
3: blow up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't an explosive coffin.
3: But yeah, deleted scenes. <laughs> who knows? Maybe it did.
1: We think Arnold made a lot at $30 million. You should have seen what the pyrotechnics guys made. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was very gratuitous. And I, I had that in my notes that it was just explosion, explosion. Especially after that really long one in the beginning. Because I think that really, it tried my patience. I like explosions like the next person, but come on. I mean, it's almost it, like Michael Bay made the movie.
3: I didn't mind the, the level of explosions. I wasn't so cool with the moment, I guess this is the scene you're talking about, where she was having things driving around by themselves. Yeah, that's the same That was scene. my beef with the thing. It's like, when the cars are driving around by themselves, I couldn't only help but think of maximum overdrive, which can only make me unhappy. <laughs> I thought of Night Rider myself.
1: <laughs> now, one other thing that bugged me about this movie. The CG looked cheap. When they were had the Terminatrix like, against the magnet, you know what it reminded me of was Syl from that movie uh, Species? Mm-hmm. It looked yeah, that it. level of cheap CG.
3: Yeah, when he was grabbing her and pulling her back, too, it also yeah. looked like that. And the whole fight between the Terminatrix and Arnold
1: in the urinal, they're, whenever they're like throwing each other, it just looks so obvious like Arnold's making a motion and they're going to add the person later. Mm-hmm. It just looked so fake. And after Terminator 2, which we said holds up today for a movie that was made six years ago to look
3: so cheap.
2: Well, they spent all the money on Arnold. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, was expensive. the most important
3: special effect. Yeah, yeah the most important special effects in the movie. We got the guy that was in the last two that everyone associates the movies with.
1: I honestly wonder if ILM was just so busy with Star Wars that they kind of farmed this out to the newbies and the
3: Well, they people. do. They, I mean, these this special effects work. I mean, I, you sometimes have this conception that it's like one house doing it all, but it it is not. The whole town does these does this work. Everybody works on everything, and it's it's just you have to because there's just too many special effects shots in a movie now. So there's. ILM is the quality control but they aren't doing all the work
1: yeah some of it it just it just looks so bad i mean it never looked better than terminator 2 at best it looked the same as terminator 2 and many times it looked cheaper and maybe it's because they were trying to do more and trying to you know have this hundred pound woman pick up arnold schwarzenegger and throw him through a wall and obviously Mm. you can't do that without cg but it just didn't look right that whole fight
3: just looked so composited It, it it was there's nothing natural about it it felt forced. Although I guess uh, th- there's something about that when that scene when she wraps her legs around him and pivots her, her waist around that sticks with me. I don't know what. Yeah, that is
1: true and that was in the ad. It, that was effective but it just, and honestly, perhaps it's the director. Maybe the camera angles were wrong for that fight because in Terminator 2, I was talking about how the fist fight between the two Terminators was the one of the best scenes and here it's one of the worst and it could simply be
3: the camera angles on the setup and what they chose to show. Well, I will say this. The movie doesn't look as good from a cinematographer's standpoint. If you'll go back to Terminator 2, I mean, the first Terminator was low budget. It looks how it looks. But the, the second one, uh, it really gleams. And particularly when I, you watch the edition I did, the extreme edition, they really clean it up. And it's this blue color. It's just this steely blue punctuated by explosions. And so there's a real contrast between the explosions and everything else. In this movie, it just looked flat. There wasn't – it wasn't stylish. No. This movie is not stylish and it doesn't have that Cameron look. It and doesn't
2: I, have blockbuster written all over it.
3: No. It's uh, – it is very much – we got to get this out before he gets too old or becomes governor. Um, we got to put this out because it's been too long. It just, there's something about it that feels assembly line. And it's, even though you can't appreciate and enjoy it for whatever it is, it's at the come down. No one wants to see something that they thought was great become marginal.
2: And see, this is a problem I have with Terminator 4 Salvation because, okay, one, I'm not a Christian Bale fan. And I'm probably the only person in the entire world. We're going to
3: fight. Yeah, we're going to fight. I love
2: Christian Bale a fan either
3: all right it's i gotta fight both of you
2: <laughs> i'm afraid he's gonna destroy my movie that's already been destroyed because I don't think 3 was it was just kind of like eh all right yeah. I'll well, watch this terminator one of the
1: things about 3 that's interesting is they wanted to make a couple movies at a time because they were doing it with Lord of the Rings and they were doing it with Matrix
2: and it makes sense budget wise and to end it where they
1: ended it it's it clearly feels like there's another chapter here this yes. is the empire strikes back of the mm-hmm. terminator films and that it's got that ending where like the main characters live barely but the world's gone to shit yes, and you're right so now it's like I could understand why they'd want to make a couple, but it, the fact that it's taken six years doesn't bode all that well.
3: You know what? Some of this is financial. This is backstory stuff. But the ownership of this property has gone all over the map, and 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 they go bust. I mean, that's the thing. It's like. When you watch Terminator 2, you see the lavishness of the effects and the money. Well, that cut up with the company. It worked for Terminator, and Terminator 2 paid for itself. But they spent that kind of money on everything, and it eventually, they went under. And then someone new bought them, and then they're probably going to go under. I mean, it's just the level of injection of cash that it takes to achieve these things. You really need major motion picture support, and this has always been kind of... I mean, it was Carol Cole. It was a mini-major. Yeah, it was they, not a major studio. they were the the
1: Lionsgate of their time. Exactly. Exactly. They were like Orion. I miss Orion.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too.
1: But Terminator 4 is r- primarily written by the writers of Terminator 3 with a rewrite, a fairly significant rewrite added later by somebody else, but the primary script comes from the same writers, so that's gonna be good for cohesion to this movie, I think, but bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully the rewrite
3: adds the character that this movie was lacking.
2: But isn't Christian Bale a big enough star now where he's not gonna be in crap.
3: Yes. Okay. I I kind of agree with you. I it's I've never seen him take a paycheck for a paycheck sake. Yes, he does big movies, but usually there's something about them that's interesting. I
2: mean, I expect crap out of Nick Stahl. But I would yes. think that Christian Bale is a big enough star, especially riding off Batman and everything else that he's not going to make a movie that is like this movie but like Terminator like 3. <laughs> I know, but I can respect him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can respect the man. And I'm sure he acted fine in Batman. Batman I just personally don't like him I find him kind of annoying but I recognize the fact that he does make movies that people enjoy and I think he's above just taking one for a paycheck
3: we will have the Christian Bale debate for sure at the next podcast yes he is the only thing in my estimation that makes me encouraged about Terminator 4 I otherwise would be skipping this movie but because he is in it I have faith in him to deliver something above where the series is otherwise heading which is Downward.
2: See, and that's what, how I feel. I don't like him as an actor. However, I do recognize and have faith that he's not going to make a crappy movie.
1: Well, we will discuss this in the next movie because we've all been building up to the release of Terminator Salvation. But to end our discussion on Terminator 3 Rise of the Machine, Marjorie and Stuart, do you recommend this movie?
2: I recommend it if you're going to see part four. If you want to remain a purist and watch one and two only, don't watch three because it totally blows all of the storyline away and it doesn't have any of the magic that the others had. If you're just going to remain a purist, I would stop at 1991.
3: Hmm. I'm reminded of uh, being asked what I thought of Matrix 2 in the summer it was released. I was like, well... It wasn't that great, but I think it's all going to pay off when we see the, the next one. it's a middle one. That didn't work out so well. So I would like to hold back my review until I see Terminator Salvation. I don't know that I can recommend this movie until I see it. If Terminator 4 is great, then yes, see this movie. If it sucks, just stop it too. And there's no need to go on. So the salvation will be the salvation of Terminator 3? It, sal- <laughs> it better salvage something here. Because this series is on the precipice of getting real. Bad
1: To recommend for me this movie is kind of hard because recommending Terminator 1 and 2, I can do so so wholeheartedly because I think they're great films. This movie, I recommend it, but again, it's like I said before, it doesn't come anywhere near as high as the others. But if I'm just looking at this movie standalone, it's an enjoyable time. It just doesn't live up to the mastery of the previous ones, but I do give it a weak recommendation. And it may be required viewing as the bridge movie. This may be this Terminator series search for Spock, but we'll find out when we see Terminator Salvation. (laughs) <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Marjorie Stewart thank you once again for joining me you bet and be sure to listen to our previous two Terminator discussions you can find them at nowplayingpodcast.com where you can also find our previous series where we discuss the Friday the 13th movies and the Star Trek movies and other individual movie reviews there as well there's also forums where you can let us know what you think of these podcasts or you can email us at show at nowplayingpodcast.com and we'll be back with Terminator Salvation
0: Thank you for joining us for this installment of Now Playing's Look Back at the Terminator movie series. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production and is not affiliated with the Halcyon Company or Warner Brothers Pictures.
2: The unknown future rolls toward us.
1: I face it for the first time with a sense of hope.
0: Be sure to come back to nowplayingpodcast.com to listen to new installments of our Terminator Retrospective, culminating in a weekend of release review of Terminator Salvation, opening May 21st. Until next time... Hasta la vista, baby.
3: Yeah, you know we can't. We can get into that geek mode where we, we're really talking about some minutia. If we hit on something really trivial, we can probably obsess over it for a good couple minutes. Really? You, know, you can stop you think? it. Yeah.
2: Sure. Yeah. Okay. You
3: may not know that about Arnie, but he gets a little geeky sometimes.
2: Oh my god, I didn't know all these years.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: this is the podcast series where we all try our Austrian accents.
2: Yeah, mine's not
1: good. Sorry.
3: <laughs>
1: um.